Welcome, everybody, to the Junction City Podcast. With me today in the virtual octagon is... John Miles. Dan Martinez. And a special guest with us today. Jeremy Shinoda. Jeremy Shinoda. Uh, Welcome, Jeremy. A guy that we have owed a sticker for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Because Dan decided... So long, I forgot. He was like, Dan decided that it was a good idea to tell people that we had stickers and we actually didn't. And he was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's right. We did have that sticker thing. Oh, we do. Yeah. You were like, just say it. And I was like, well, we don't have them yet. You're like, no, 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 just say it. And then so Jeremy did the thing. He rated us, sent us his information. stars. Yeah. And we have not made good on that. So first sticker that goes out goes to Jeremy. The question is, do you stand by that five star rating? Absolutely. Ah, uh, there we go. Oh, yeah, my, yeah, man, yeah. my man. Uh, well, on the show today, we're going to be talking with Jeremy, who is currently a member of the Ogden School District um, Board, and he is running for that seat again. He um, was appointed to fill the remainder of that term, and now that term will be decided by the voters in November. So Jeremy's with us to talk a little bit about himself, kind of let the folks know about him, uh, why he chose to serve on the Ogden School District Board. And then also uh, a little bit about the issues that he's hearing from constituents on the on the campaign trail. So, Jeremy, thanks again for coming on and chatting. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So, like we said, the first thing I wanted to ask Jeremy was just kind of like help the JC peeps um, understand who's Jeremy Shinoda. Where are you coming from? Kind of like what do you do? I think John had a great thing, too. Uh, can you tell us what the you said? It's, uh, it's Ogden District, right? Yeah. What, so where, right. what does that cover? So Ogden School District is divided into seven districts. Each district is represented by a Board of Education member. I represent Voter District 4, which encompasses West Ogden through East Central between 20th and 23rd. Okay. And then as soon as it crosses uh, East on Harrison... It goes up to the river and down to 27. Okay. So that Shane Forrester lives in your district. Yep. Wow. And he's not even here. Not even on this show. <laughs> Disappointing. <laughs> Disappointing. Well, that's, that's good to kind of understand kind of where the boundaries are. And so when you when it extends into West Ogden, is that all of West Ogden, essentially? All of West Ogden that's in um, Ogden city limits. So right. the... The voter dis- the Board of Education voter districts are uh, comprised of voting precincts. So there are six precincts, OGD 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, and 25. Uh, those six precincts are in uh, voter district four. Okay. And then that's, that's the entire district, those six precincts. Voter district four, yep. Yes, wonderful. Uh, so great. you're saying that it, it aligns perfectly with the precinct savior legislative district? It Correct. Oh, interesting. So a certain number of voters you represent, uh, or I represent, each each member of the board represents a certain number of voters. And so will you give us a bit about your background, just kind of, um, yeah, you know what you do and yeah. that kind of stuff? I currently work in healthcare. I'm a quality compliance analyst for a drug testing lab and uh busy time for you i'm sure yeah well people are always doing drugs 
and there's always a need for them to get tested and help them stay on the straight and narrow. So, you know, drug testing is a, is a necessary part of um, keeping people um, compliant with um, regulations. Uh, it could be employment testing. It could be parole and probation testing. It could be uh, medication monitoring, which is uh, uh, people who go to pain doctors for chronic pain and get uh, prescribed opiates. They need to be drug tested as well sometimes. Hmm. Do you guys get involved in any of the medical marijuana realm at all? Um, you know, well, you know, we do see uh, certain states that have legalized it have dropped it from their drug testing panels, for example. Hmm. Oh, huh. makes sense. Uh, so, you know, this is. This stems from a, a longer background in uh, biotech, uh, research and development, drug development. Oh. I, I have a few peer-reviewed publications on viruses. So right now is a very interesting time and very interesting to me because I study viruses. Right. Yeah. So, so how did you get involved on the school board? <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. I mean, a lot of things have to line up. Um, one, uh, my family has to be on board, right? Mm -hmm. uh, my job has to be stable enough to um, allow me to go to school board meetings. The climate of the current school board, you know, I'm looking at like, what, is there anything that I can bring to the table? Is there something that I can offer that isn't already being offered? And then there's an opportunity, you know, um, the, the person who held my seat before moved out of her district and it opened up an opportunity for, for me to be, uh, for me to apply for the appointment. There were eight people who, uh, who applied and six people who showed up that night to get interviewed. And then it was narrowed down to three, then it was narrowed down to two. And then, um, I think it was a four to two vote where, I was the last man standing to fulfill the last, uh, to fulfill a year of the remaining term. And so this November, I'm running to complete the other two years of her term. Talk a little more about that. Like you basically fill out an application and, and six other people fill out the application and then you go in front of the current school board as an interview and they pick one of you? Is that basically That's right. It? Yeah. Really? They, all six of us went answered the same questions. And then at the end, there's a discussion and it's all, uh, it's all on tape. You can listen to the interview um, on the, on the public meetings website. Yeah. They, they vote, they picked me. So I had some big shoes to fill. I'm definitely not one to sit on my laurels and I'm, I'm here to get, stuff done. Nice. So Jeremy, did you grow up in Ogden? Uh, you know, you studied, it sounds like microbiology as well. Like talk a little bit about your background a little bit more like yeah, um, from Ogden, went to college in Utah. How did, how did all that work out? Grew up in Texas. Texas. Uh, got an undergraduate degree or I got a biochemistry degree and Spanish literature degree at University of California, San Diego. 
UCSD, all right. Then um, Go Spartans, I guess. The Tritons. Yeah, the Tritons. Yeah, and I think that they just signed a deal to play Weber State in basketball or something like that. So, really? Yeah, you may be seeing it. Was that. Never, it was never a big sports school. It's, um, <laughs> but it was, it was in La Jolla, and I did get a chance to surf. Man, La Jolla is nice. Um, but the academics are, were, were, were tough. So I really enjoyed my time there. Then um, I went to graduate school and got an MBA at Purdue University. Nice. Wow. So uh, in Indiana, right? Indianapolis? Yeah. Um, West Lafayette, Indiana. West Lafayette. Okay. So how did, how did you come to Utah? Uh, my wife's from Utah. She okay. grew up in Ogden. She was a product of the Ogden School District, uh, Polk, Mount oh. Ogden, Ogden High graduate. That's great. And uh, we live three houses down from where she grew up. So she wanted to come back and be closer to family. And I've got family, other family in Utah as well. And we were ready for a, a change. So after you got the MBA uh, and you came back to Utah, did you, is that how you got into medical testing? Then you came back to Utah. I'm like, oh, here's a, here's a great job in, in, in an industry that I can get involved in. And then you began your career that way. Um, no, it, uh, that was a little, that was later. I mean, actually, I had been working right out of graduate school. I got a job at for this drug testing lab. So Polk Polk would have been in your um, area, right? That you that you cover, right? Well, that's right I above. Mean, Polk is not technically in my voter district, but I represent voters who send their kids to ev- every school in in the district. So. Uh, we don't really divide schools by whose school is in a particular voter district. We represent the voters that live in voter district four. They could, I mean, they, they send their kids to all 20 schools. Uh, so gonna, uh, let's see, Newbridge and Taylor Canyon actually do fall within the boundaries of voter district four. So Jeremy, after you, you got the nod, you applied, you were the person who was appointed to uh, represent District 4 on the Ogden School Board. Uh, then you start getting into the swing of things, you start showing up to meetings. I'm sure you probably were already showing up to meetings as you know a, a constituent, just somebody in the community. But can you tell us a little bit about what it was like, you know, being on the other side of the dais and, you know, having the microphone and, you know, being the person who took the phone calls from constituents? What was that transition like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a uh, it's been a really steep learning curve. Um, I have been on the other side of the dais as a planning commissioner in another city, and I've sat on several nonprofit boards. Um, and so, you also you currently are a member of the diversity commission in Ogden, right? Right, the Ogden yeah. Diversity Commission. Right. Right. You sent us a lot of re- really good stuff there um, that we've put on the calendar. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. Um, the Ogden Diversity Commission advises the mayor and city council on issues of diversity. And I went to a year of meetings before I was, before I was appointed to that position too. So, um, you know, so if you saying, show up. Yeah, you show up, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, you show up and you answer a few questions and sometimes you get picked. So that's great. So how's it been on the Ogden School Board? What's, uh, what's it's good. Like? I mean, there's just so much information. It's like drinking from a a, a fire hydrant. But yeah, you know, I try to 
I try to break it up into manageable bits, but there's a lot of history that I have to brush up on. And every meeting is probably about 200 pages of um, review material on, on different um, action items that are affecting the district. So, uh, and that's in addition to uh, knocking on doors, going to community council meetings, taking calls, uh, answering um, emails from both happy and, and disgruntled uh, parents and community members. Um, it's a lot of work. It's way more work than I thought. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, this is um, sort of a blessing and a curse of being the incumbent, right? Being the incumbent means, you know, you are afforded an, an opportunity or a, an advantage in an, a campaign. But also, you know, you still have to serve in the midst of campaigning and you have to find a way to sort of separate those duties. Uh, not something I thought about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how am I going to how am I going to knock doors now? <laughs> it's going to be so really difficult. So, you know, what I've tried to do is. Um, break down the parts of the meetings that I find the most important for my constituents and package them into bite-sized pieces and put it out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and a newsletter. I mean, that's really the best that I can do right now. Um, but I do plan on calling my constituents and, and asking them what, what matters to them most. And so would you say that you enjoy reading 200 pages of <laughs> small details of, you know, I don't know, class yeah, I mean, sizes or whatever? It's, it's, a, it's very complementary to my current job. I read a lot of government regulations. Um, so, you know, drug testing labs need to be accredited, certified, and abide by local state federal and uh, private accrediting agencies. And it's my job to make sure that the company abides by the rules and meets these accreditation guidelines. So, you know, it's, it's very complimentary. I think it fits my personality and uh, I do enjoy reading and getting to know all the intricacies, idiosyncrasies that go into the district, which is by far more complex than any corporate organization I've ever worked for. Hmm. There's so many moving parts. Interesting. So Jeremy, you talked a little bit there at the end about, you know, you want to get around to making some of those phone calls and, and being a little bit more proactive um, when you can. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the issues that constituents are already bringing up to you and some things that you're thinking on your mind, in your mind of problems that you want to help solve that are being brought to you or issues that you see currently as a sitting school board member? So the voters approved an $87 million bond. And right now we've got four construction bond construction progress uh, going on. So, um, a lot of voters are concerned with uh, how these schools are going to fit into their neighborhood. Um, so they're also concerned with, well, are we on time? Are we on budget? Um, are we building for the future? 
so these are these are some of the issues that have come up. I've, I've also, um, I'm also cognizant of the issues that aren't coming to me. Um, you know, there's a, there's a huge population that's underrepresented and may not have, um, may not feel like they have a voice. And so they may feel intimidated by uh, coming to a, a board meeting and, and asking questions. So um, a lot of it is being aware of, of an underrepresented population and, and working for them as well. They may not be as vocal, but their needs and concerns are just as valid, just as important um, as, as anybody else's. So I'm really working for them as well. And one of the things that I'm, I'm bringing to the, the table that wasn't previously a characteristic of the current makeup of the Board of Education is somebody that speaks Spanish. So, yeah. you know, uh, I studied Spanish, uh, undergraduate degree in it, and I've continued um, that skill. And it's something that has allowed me to bridge a communication barrier that um, nobody else on the school board currently can can fulfill. So uh, you talk about you know the issues that are coming to me. There's there's a lot. There's just as many, if not more, not coming to me that I need to be cognizant of and, and address in the in some of the things that I uh, that I that I share with the community as well. That's interesting. I didn't know that uh, there you were the only person on the on the school board that spoke Spanish. Um, as far as I know, uh, I, I, when I was sworn in, I did request to say the oath in Spanish. That's. I think that's a nice touch. I mean, because I feel like that's um, it's something yeah, that like anything uh, you can do. Yeah. Well, and it's it's one of those things that I think you know gets overlooked sometimes. You know, um, I think that you know love him or hate him, I think that was part of uh, Mayor Godfrey's success was that he also was able to speak Spanish and that he could at least communicate on some level with the community there. And I think that it goes a long way. So kudos to you for bringing that out and utilizing it and keeping it sharp. Uh, Jeremy, I also wanted to ask about, um, you mentioned the bond and uh, we've had folks on the show before and we talked a little bit about this bond. And one of the concerns that, uh, you know, in some of those conversations was about, you talked about building for the future. Um, what are the plans with the school board right now to ensure that, you know, some of those buildings that were, that were standing up today will be there in 50 years? Or is that not the plan, you know, that we, we actually don't intend for buildings to stand for 50 years or longer. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think 50 years is about, is about the standard um, that we're going by right now. The, the buildings that we're rebuilding and remodeling right now were built about 50, 50 plus years ago. And um, we have several more that are 50 years old that will need to be remodeled or rebuilt in the future as well. So um, it's, it's really important to, to recognize that it's the voters who are looking ahead and know that our kids need modern learning facilities and, um, these facilities, you know, the older facilities can affect learning. 
um, if their HVAC systems aren't up to up to um, current standards, there's something called a 21st century uh, learning environment that incorporates technology that a lot of the, the older buildings um, uh, can't are not optimized for. So you know when when we're when we're being asked how to spend that 87 million dollars on these new buildings. Um, we're keeping that in mind. I also want to let the voters know that, you know, this is an ongoing process. Um, we need we need those bond bonds to be passed every six, 10 years to to rebuild our schools. So um, it's it's something that our taxes pay for and our children and many generations of, of um, children benefit from. Interesting. So um, from what I understand, that $87 million will cover the renovation of Polk Elementary, which was a big sticking point in the bond that failed a couple of years ago. Um, it will include the destruction or uh, the demolition of Gramercy Elementary, right? And then um, that wasn't really a bond project, but... Um, so that 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 project was paid for elsewhere. It's it, that's not included in these bonds. But I imagine that um, with 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 Gramercy being closed and torn down eventually, that there is some sort of solution for a, a new school somewhere. Um, can you talk a little bit about the plans for that school? How how that how that's going to work? Yeah. So um, T O Smith is going to be. Um, demolished and rebuilt on site. Okay. And while that's being built, the kids from TO are getting bused to Gramercy. Okay, so the building will stand for a little while longer. Right. Okay, okay. And then once that project is finished, what's the timeline on the rebuild of TO Smith? About a year? Yeah. About a year. And so there's there's a lot of shuffling going on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Wasatch closed, so the kids from Wasatch are split between Polk and uh, Taylor Canyon. So it's good to have some of these schools um, stay up while, while we're in transition because mm -hmm. they can house other students. But eventually Gramercy will come down, Taylor Canyon will come down, and we will have four pretty much brand new schools. Can you talk a little bit about um, one of the concerns in the past from constituents was that by closing some of these neighborhood schools and building more of like a hub system that um, it would require maybe a little bit more busing and that's you know, maybe a little bit difficult in a district like Ogden, which is smaller compared to other districts in the, in the state. Um, can you talk about what folks have um, expressed to you in that regard about how bigger schools, not necessarily as community oriented, and kind of what the what the vision of the school board is in moving toward this model. Yeah, it is a it is a huge um, balancing act. Uh, I'm a huge fan of neighborhood schools. I want my kid to be able to walk to school. Indeed. Um, and again, it, it's way more efficient to build a larger school, um, what they call a, a four section school or four grades, um, four grades. Per, per section. Um, so, you know, each, each decision 
is is made independently and it's a balancing act and, and it really comes down to what do the voters want. Uh, some voters want um, us as stewards of the money to spend it efficiently. And that means a bigger school and a lower cost per square foot. Um, other people would want to maintain a smaller, a smaller school, uh, a neighborhood school, a walkable school, um, that may be overcrowded, you know, a smaller school may not be able to handle the influx of population that Ogden experiences in the next, we have to look 50 years out, right? Mm -hmm. The lifetime of the school. So, um, it, it's a balancing act and it's, it's a very, it's very tough to make those decisions. Mm. Um, Another thing I was going to ask you about is, you know, sticking with the facilities theme, um, one of the concerns in the past that folks have raised is that um, maybe some of the reasons why these schools were needing to be torn down was because there wasn't there wasn't enough money in the budget to adequately maintain them. Um, can you can you speak to that? Uh, you know, what have you seen in your time on the school board? Do you feel that uh, maybe some of the, the facilities have because of lack of budget, they haven't been able to be kept up the way that you want, or it's just a natural process, like we've said, of building schools. I mean, 50 years is 50 years. Like, that's all that they're going to last you. It's just what it is. Well, it's it's an incredibly competitive market out there for schools. Uh, I mean, we have 13 elementaries, but within, within – are within driving distance of Ogden, there are 10 charter schools Indeed. that serve the elementary school population as well. So over the past uh, 10 years or so, we've seen a decline in, in enrollment as the number of charter schools has increased. So one way that we can keep up with these, um, uh, you know, when a new charter school goes up, it's a big, shiny new building. People are attracted to big, shiny new buildings. Well, you know, we need to build new schools um, that are uh, that can that can serve our community better and serve our kids uh, from a technology standpoint. So, um, part of it is that is that competition with uh, charter schools. Um, a couple other things I want to ask you, Jeremy, before we wrap up. Um, so. My wife's considering being a teacher, and one of the one of the things that draws her to that profession at this time is, I mean, number one, she she substituted it at places, and she really loves the experience. But also the talk from the state level talking about potentially paying teachers more, and I wondered if that's a conversation that you all are having on the Ogden School Board, and kind of how you are managing that when you know we're trying to build new schools as well, but also retain some of our you know professionals. Uh, that are teaching in the classrooms. Yeah, that's um, teacher pay is always a hot topic. Mm -hmm. And I'm always for paying teachers more. Uh, they do an incredible job, especially right now. They're, they're, they're stretched um, to their, to, to really have to innovate and be able to connect with students remotely right now. Um, you know, we're, Ogden actually does very well. Um, there's been a there's been several salary studies done, and and uh, the most recent one I saw showed that we paid our 
teachers seventh or eighth highest in the state out of 41 districts. Not so bad. that's not bad. No. Um, but, you know, our district can only succeed if we can retain um, our teachers. So a big part of that is offering them um, incentives to stay, um, training, uh, tuition reimbursement. Um, you know, we, we really value them and we will do everything we can to, to hold on to quality teachers. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you went to business school, you know, as well as anyone that, you know, whenever you lose somebody, it's, uh, it's a cost to the business to have to retrain. And, uh, you know, and if it seems like from, from what I've heard that if you can get a teacher past about four years, if you can get them to that fifth year, you're in really good shape because a lot of folks leave, you know, before that. And, uh, then it's a, you know, this, this churn and then, and by then they're also, you know, pretty experienced professionals in the classroom. And so you talked a little bit about those, uh, those incentives. Um, I, I'm not familiar with those. Like what, what are you all offering some of the teachers in addition to the, to the pay thing? Um, well, you know, even if we can't pay them the most in the district, uh, we, we do like to say like, Ogden is an amazing place to live. So uh, if, if they come here, um, I think they'll really appreciate the quality of life. I moved here because of the quality of life, being close to the mountains, um, being so close. And I, I mean, we go into negotiations with the teachers every year and it's, and it's always what we have what, what do we have to bargain with? I don't really like to look at it as bargaining. I just say, if we can pay it, pay it. Okay. Um, maybe that makes me a bad bargainer, but I mean, we really have a set amount every year um, from the state and, and that's what, that's what we can pay them. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was what I was kind of curious about is I mean, say I was just a citizen looking to lobby to get a raise for the teachers at my kid's school because I, I feel it's necessary. Um, tell me if I've got this right. I would I would go to my state school board first, or maybe I would even go to my legislature first and say, I want there to be a little bit more money to come down to the state school board. And then I want them, I'd have to lobby the state school board to then give it down to the school district. And then you would be able to allocate that to teacher pay right yeah it's okay. it's it's known as the wp um, weighted pupil unit mm -hmm. it's a set amount for every student in the district that's given to us by the state and this is i guess and you know to tie this back to the charter school thing this is why it hurts when you know folks take their charter their their kids and they take them to a charter school because now the charter school is getting that that wpu money and the school district loses out on that so they're right. there so, the so charter the schools also under you then as well no 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 charter schools are their own district, district. and yeah. school but they're getting and, and public money yes yeah they, that doesn't yeah, seem per right people doesn't. yeah it's i mean it's a choice thing right i i'm all for choice too um, well, but why wouldn't private schools get the private mo uh, public money then? Because you guys are terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just messing with you. My man. kids go to St. <laughs> Joe's, and I was like, 
I already knew the charter school answer. Sorry, I just had to. I had to point that out. Hmm. So they're taking public funds from public schools, but not really paying their own way. I mean, well, I, I just think I just think the I think the public school. No. I mean, it's not for uh, it's not for everybody, but. I mean, in terms of resources uh, and opportunities for kids, I think it's unparalleled. The most number of AP classes, the most number of school sports, the uh, the most uh, the best connections with the tech colleges. I mean, um, the most resources for special ed. I mean, um, yeah, and and our our teachers get the best training too. I mean. I just think that in terms of resources and Ogden school district is, is unbeatable. Investing. Well, I think you're right because I think about, um, so when I worked at the university, uh, I worked in academic affairs, which is kind of this weird amorphous thing of all non academic, uh, like all non college stuff. So if you weren't in the college, you sort of fell under academic affairs for the most part, unless you were student affairs. One of the things that I found often was, the Ogden School District specifically had a lot of scholarships to Weber State for students that went to the two high schools. So if you were a student at Ogden High and you went through these certain things, like there was a scholarship there for you because there are a lot of folks who had gone through the public school system in Ogden School District and they had gone to Weber State and they saw value in investing in students at the high school level and getting them, convincing them that like this money is, you know, to help you continue your path up to Weber State. And so I think that you're right that there is this path that's laid out for you when you when you go to those more established entities like a public school, like whether that's Ogden High or Ben Lomond, because they've had the relationships with the with the universities for a very long time. Whereas if you're going to a new charter who's been around for under 10 years, that relationship is not as deep. And so there's an opportunity. And like you said, the offering of AP classes, school sports. I, I obviously I'm a huge sports fan. Um, and you know, I, I can only think of one charter school right now that has in the county that has sports, and that's Da Vinci. I don't know of any other high schools in the, in the county that have it. So I think, that, like you said, there's a lot of value in sending your children to a public school where they can have that that thing, that investment. But they're not they're likely not to find it in a charter because they are newer and they don't they don't necessarily have that investment. And for and for the teachers, like you said, I I can't name a charter school that does you know tuition reimbursement. I seriously doubt that that's happening. You know, maybe it is, maybe I'm wrong, but it's happening at the school district level. Yeah, it's kind of the more intangible stuff, it seems, that you give up when you go to a charter school. You don't realize kind of the the benefits of that big infrastructure of the district. I mean, it, sometimes it sounds appealing to say that a school is its own district and it has doesn't have to worry about the bureaucracy, you know? No, I don't know, John. <laughs> well, well, send I your said, kid to public school. <laughs> well, I'm well, gonna, well, but it, I debated it for a long time. I'll be honest. Well, and I'll say, yeah, we we sent our children to Greenwood for four years or so. I mean, how, we sent our daughter there. Probably, like, we sent her there the first year that it opened, and uh, we just recently, you know, we moved to Davis County. We made the decision to send the children to a public school because one of the things, like Jeremy, you talked about, was that you know there's a, there's a neighborhood there. And, you know, if, if a kid, if your kid makes friends with a kid at the public school, they probably live near you. And that was a challenge when the children went to a charter school because, you know, they were living all over the place. We had, you know, the children had friends in Roy and they had friends in Harrisville and they had friends in Plain City. And 
it was just all over the place, you know, and we lived, you know, out in the Western part of the County at the time. And so it was very difficult for them to just get on their bikes and go visit their friends the way that, you know, you and I, you know, did when we went to public school as a kid, you know, all of our friends lived in our neighborhood and that was a challenge. And so in terms of community, I think that, you know, the public schools is a great way to build that because the charters don't necessarily have it because they're pulling folks from all over. So, uh, not to do an abrupt change of topic, but I'm curious, Jeremy, have you guys done any talking about um, if the next school year might be impacted by coronavirus at all? I haven't talked about it yet. Um, we're really hoping that it starts normally. Right. Um, you know, we just know that the the end of the year has been it's going to be really tough. Um, that's why there's some some schools have done some uh, parades where the teachers have driven in their cars and gone around in their neighborhoods to say hi to their kids as a, you know, just to connect with them one last time before they right. leave the school. Uh, but, right. Everyone's still focusing on getting through this year. That makes sense. Right. So Jeremy, uh, just to wrap up here, um, like I said, you are running for um voter district four on, on the Ogden school board. Uh, how do folks get involved with your campaign? Cause like you said, you're a busy person as an incumbent. You're still trying to do the work of serving the public while retaining your seat. How do they, how do they get in touch with you? How do they help you? How do they donate all of that good stuff? Thanks for bringing that up. Um, voter district four.com voter district four at gmail.com twitter.com slash voter district four Instagram, Facebook voter district four. Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App, Voter District 4. Or you can call me, 801 Gene Map, G E N E M A P, or 436 3627. Nice. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> well, Jeremy Shinoda, thank you so much for coming on the Junction City podcast, talking about the Ogden School District and your, um, your campaign to retain your seat. We really hope that you do. Uh, Longtime JCP listener, so yes, you're, sir. You're 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 one of the folks, man. You're the sure. OG JCP. <laughs> That's right. Thanks. And yeah. and in all fairness, I mean, there are five board seats up for election this November, and I just encourage everybody to uh, get as much information as they can about all the candidates. And having someone to run against is an opportunity. It's it's a blessing because it's, it's going to make both of the candidates sharper. So it's important. Well, I was going to say, it seems like ever since you got onto that board, you've been trying to get people to pay attention. It's like you've had this district for, I, I mean, you've been setting up the district on social media before you were doing any kind of campaigning. It's like, you're trying to say, Hey guys, there's a uh, stuff going on over here that you should listen to. There's so much going on. And it affects everybody. It affects our kids. It affects the community. It affects your tax. You're paying for it. You should be well informed. You should be expecting the most out of your representatives. And I'm doing everything I can to try to get the word out. So thanks, you guys. Yeah, man, I love it. Thank you for Thank coming you. on. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. So uh, like I said, folks, follow up with, with Jeremy, his campaign, and even if you don't live in his district, but you're interested in staying up to date on what's happening with the Ogden School Board, uh, you can follow those uh, 
channels or those accounts on social media. Jeremy does a great job of posting what's happening and keeping you up to date because what's happening in one district is happening in all districts, essentially. So he's doing a, he's doing a great service to you. Um, thanks again, Jeremy. And like we say every week. All politics all, is local. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we should change that up now, John. Maybe it should be, I'll say all, you say politics, and I'll say is. I vote no. <laughs> oh, oh, he won't, he won't play ball. No. 